Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome once again to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. 101.9 FM, CITR.ca online, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 210. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And let's just take a moment to give a thought to the late Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. He's not dead, but he hasn't turned up for the show yet. He is on his way. My hunch is he's stuffing his face with food. Yeah, a good possibility. Yep. Uh, no, we'll check his Instagram. If he took a picture, then maybe that's the Oh, case. yeah. If it's food, it's bound to be on Instagram. So, Zach will join us later on in, in this show. As always, this show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, links, and lots more. So, check it out at bcsoccerweb.com. So we're going to kick off the first part of this show with a look at Canada. We're going to be all patriotic. Then we're going to turn our attention to the Caps and a few more things locally. So, Canada. Advancing. Yeah, out of the group. Undefeated. Oh, yeah. I never looked at it that way. Well, they're undefeated under Zambrano so far. So that's a good thing. And I think at the start of the tournament... You, you hoped they were going to get out of the group. You were hoping for four points. Yeah, I mean, in all, a, in all reality, I thought I thought they would get out, Yeah, but I thought they would finish third. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's what everybody had them pegged at right now. And to finish second and to, to get goals as well, I think, which is the big stunning thing. Well, in, in some games. But, they, I mean, they got well, goals. But and, the last game, they got a clean sheet, which they hadn't done all year either. That is so, very true as well. Yeah. And you kind of got the Honduras monkey off your back a little bit. I don't think that monkey will ever come off. It's going to be a long time before that one comes off. But you're right. It 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 takes a sting away every time you do that. Yeah. Like the BC place win, this tie, um, it, it takes a little bit off once, a little bit at a time. You're you're basically pushing that monkey off your back a little bit at a time. I think though as well, what these group games have done is they've kind of shown you something that we've thought for a while. We thought that Canada had the talented group. But for some reason, they just couldn't perform as a cohesive unit. Yeah. Zambrano seems to have turned that around, and he's really started to get this this group playing well. And I think that that's one of the most pleasing aspects as well. It's an all-round team performance, attack and defence. That they've looked pretty solid in three games so far. It's it's very hard to identify. Like obviously, people will uh, speak up to Alfonso Davies, but every single player 
there's, there's hard to identify a player who has not been playing well. That's a weak link or anything like that. It's it's very hard to look at that. Um, from right from the goal all the way up to the striker. Even though the strikers haven't scored, they're still playing well and they're still creating chances and they're uh, doing other things that are, are benefiting the team. And if we look at the Honduras game, we're not going to break it down detail by detail. Because there's no real goals to yeah, break down. I mean, <laughs> that, there was a couple of scary moments. There's yeah. a header off the line. Yeah. Debate, possibly Honduras could have had a penalty in the first half as well when Lanza went down. Yeah. But I, I think a draw was a, a pretty fair result. If anything, Canada maybe just shaded it and they, they could have had the win. But Marcel de Jong got man of the match. And three, for me... Three big chances, too. Yeah, that's the best game I've ever seen him play for club or country. Yeah. I haven't maybe watched him as long as some others. It would have been nice to have Zach's input on that. But for me... I thought he played out of his skin and a, an unfamiliar position for me to see him play yeah. in anyway. No, he's played solid. He's always been a solid player. You could always rely on him. He's never, I don't think he's ever shown that much offensive flair, but he's definitely been a solid player. But in that game, wow, two chances to, to start off. Yeah, the, the one first off the one. Po- well, the, the first one went just past the, the right post. And for me, that is the one. That I think he should have buried. I think he should have done better with that. Yeah. And if it was a proper striker or winger in that position, there's a, a better chance they would. Or have as the competitor game, if Alfonso Davies had been there, maybe they would have done. Yeah. But it's unfair. Really. I mean, that's yeah, that is very unfair. But I mean, there was that one. Then there was the one he crashed off the left post. Yeah, and then the one in the second half where he volleyed um, just outside the box, and it, it. The funny thing about that one is it actually benefited Canada because it hurt the goal, Honduras goalkeeper. Who was down for yeah. a few minutes and it kind of killed the game for them. And you knew he wasn't wasting time because they no. needed more than a draw, really. So, exactly. I mean, that, that was that was that thing as well. But, I mean, De Jong, he won man of the match. Was he your man of the match? Like I said, it's very hard to identify. Uh, like, the the big plays for them defensively was um, Petrasso off the line, uh, Vitero off the line in the second half, and then Borian at the save and in, uh, in the injury yeah. time. Those were the big three. Uh, yeah, I guess De Jong did have the most uh, attempts on goal, but uh, other players had a lot of influence, like Arfield again had a lot of influence yeah, in the game. Yeah, Arfield had a, another good game. Uh, Piet, Samuel Piet, really was all over the pitch. He was disrupting Honduras uh, coming through the middle. Um, I thought the fullbacks again. Once again, the fullbacks played really well. And yeah. it, the, I think uh, Adekubi's performance against Costa Rica kind of forced them to put De Jong up front. Yeah. Because uh, maybe De Jong was going to play left back, but they thought it wasn't necessary. And they talked in the commentary about Arakugbe and how he, I think they said it was Zambarano that said that he is the future of this team. They see him as the left back for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, and Petrasso, the, the way Petrasso is playing, he could be the other guy at the right back yeah. for the next 10 years. He, he's been known as a, a winger, an attacker, but you know the, the modern day football, they always talk about you need attacking fullbacks. And we talked about it last Sunday as well, how it's a young group, yeah. which bodes well for the future. If you can keep these guys playing at the top level and get the minutes, which obviously then raises the question about Ari Kugby, I don't think he'll ever be back playing for the Whitecaps. He might be, but for me, I think his performances this summer in the Gold Cup have sealed him another move to Europe. And he's actually, uh, uh, it's a good thing that Alfonso Davies is getting the headlines for him, for Adekubi, because a lot of people are have eyes on watching Davies and is noticing Adekubi's yeah. play, and that will help him 
uh, get a, a better team or even any team like the the, the season as a starter because his, yeah, his play I, has I'd like him to go somewhere and be a starter, yeah, exactly. not like what happened at Brighton, which was a great experience for him, and he did get minutes and he, he proved himself. He but got he the cup this, games, right? I think he got the cup games uh, and the, the U twenty three. He got the U twenty three. I think the Chicka Trade Trophy and stuff as well. Yeah, but. Playing in the U23, which is still a very high level, because you're talking about these are guys that are signed to top, top teams. But I think he needs to be playing every week, week in, week out. And this tournament's done him a a lot of good. Now, as we said, De Jong got the man of the match. For me, I had him as man of the match. I may have just sneaked to bore in by the end of the game. Oh, for sure. But but he had that little slip-up, too. Yeah. That could have cost him when he spilled the ball, and uh, luckily, Steven Vittoria was there to st- stop it. I'm, I'm very bad for being won over by dramatic scenes late <laughs> on, and I think that save that he, he produced was what tipped it over. But I've been impressed by Borean for the last couple of years. He has made a couple of little errors in some games. You have to live with that with yeah. him. You I, have to live well, with that's it. All the top goalkeepers do. Yeah. I mean, look at David Usted. He can produce game-winning performances for the Whitecaps, and there's been so many points he's saved for the Whitecaps over the years. But then he does something like let the ball through his legs or doesn't get down fast enough. And there's been some murmurs that Usted may want to go and have another look at having another shot in Europe. If he did, I'd be happy to have someone like Borian come in and take his place here. I know we've got Spencer Ritchie, but a top player like that coming in him and maybe Richie battling it out for the number one. I wouldn't mind uh, that. I think Borian's right now, I think he's very set in Europe though right now. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for him. It's hard to tempt any of these guys back. And also you're talking that he's going to be on a good contract and, over there as well. And remember, while he is Canadian, he was born in Europe. So yep, he's Croatia. got he's got a really uh, strong pull there. Yeah. So any other players stood out from the group games just overall? I mean, you've... Arfield like, for me is Arfield, uh, uh, making them tick. Another one uh, that uh, I was surprised wasn't in the lineup. We talked about it in, uh, when we were leading up to the Gold Cup. Uh, Jonathan Osorio, who who did finally make an appearance, and I thought he played really well. Yeah, um, I thought uh, his is like the one shot he had where I think it was uh, tipped a little bit or or just uh, ricocheted off uh, one of the Honduran players. Just made, just missed the net and just was almost curling over top of the goalkeeper. So that was another quick, uh, close call. And I thought he really played well. The most important part of the Honduran game, I thought, was this from the 70th minute on, except for those two chances where Borian made the save and Vitoris cleared off the line. Canada really killed the game and they possessed the ball and they did a really good yeah. job to limit Honduran chances. And that's something we haven't seen from Canada before. I mean, we've talked to Zambrano's got them playing a lot more attacking. But he seems to have them a lot more clued in as well. Because under Floro, they played defensively. Yeah. And then when you're under the cosh, it's hard to kind of kill the game because you're just soaking up the pressure. Yeah. And this you're, chasing, way, you're yeah. chasing the game, essentially. This way, they, they managed the game. Their time, their game management, time management was perfect. So, I mean, Zambrano's put that in, instilled in them as well. No, they just need to work on set pieces. Because right now, set pieces is their weakness. Yeah. Um, they are giving up way too many chances. Yeah, at the other end, their delivery of set pieces, though. That's good, yeah. So maybe it balances out, but they just got to capitalize on their set pieces then. So we now know, after the games tonight, the quarterfinals are all set in the Gold Cup. We have Costa Rica playing Panama. We have America playing El Salvador. Honduras will really be rueful for not getting more than a point now on Thursday night because they're having to play Mexico. And Canada are playing... Jamaica. Yep. And a couple Dan of Maddox. And a couple not only Dan Maddox. 
Andre Dev- Lewis, Dever. <laughs> oh, Dever Orgel. Yeah, he's on the team as well. So he's in the. I don't. I don't know if he's had any. Uh, I never checked to see if he has had any time, but he's definitely From on the roster. VMSL Division Two with Campo Basso to the Gold Cup stage with. Jamaica. Well, I think he's playing for an Austrian team. He's listed as playing for an Austrian. Yeah, team. Yeah, he went over to Scandinavia for a while. Wolfsburger. Wolfs- yeah, Wolfsburger. Yeah. Oh. I'm not sure if that's pronounced. But we don't have Zach here. He would yeah. be able to tell us. But yeah, Jamaica is the team that they're they're now facing. The, most of their players are based in either Jamaica or the U.S. Um, not very many uh, European players there, uh, but they obviously do have um, guys like Romario Barnes, um, like you said, Darren Maddox, uh, Jermaine Johnson. Like there, there is Javon Watson, another guy who's playing for New England. Um, they they do have some, and I don't know if they're. I don't know if I didn't notice if they added anybody on. I didn't say that for Jamaica because, of course, Canada, Canada has, has made what could be a controversial addition. Yeah. They, well, they added Kyle Lahren. Everybody was suspecting that they would. Yeah. I like before. how the, there was a big fanfare. They've added experience. Yeah. Well, he's 21. Well, if you take out Raheem Edwards, you, you are well, you, you never know, though, when you might need a goal to go enough someone's ass. Yeah. Well, that helps. Now, the thing is, the way that they've been playing, they've been playing really well. So you're bringing another player in. I don't see him coming in automatically starting. No, and he hasn't been great for Canada. Yeah, and even Orlando, he's 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 struggled a little bit here and there. Obviously, he hasn't played too much because of the suspension. Yeah, um, I won't go on a big rant again about it. I personally, I wouldn't have brought him in. Yeah, partly because I don't think it's adequate punishment for what he did. And I know everyone deserves a second chance. Blah blah blah. But the other side of it. And to me, kind of a very important side as well is I don't think they need him right now. But I guess if you've got someone like that off the bench to change a game, that might be quite good. Yeah, no, it it, it would be helpful because you, you know I think Cavini uh, uh, is the one that's going to start. I think he's he's set and he, he hasn't overly impressed. He's putting he, in he's, a shift. He's kind yeah. of doing an Octavio Rivero and yeah. he's putting in a hard shift. And he's set up setting up goals. He's making the right plays around the box. He just hasn't finished. And either well, if you look at the other striker, um, uh, Jackson Hamel, he hasn't finished either. And he no. he actually looked worse against yeah. Costa Rica, which is a tougher opponent too. And then Alfonso, do you start him? I think you kind of have I to. think you have to at this point. He's going to have enough rest. If that ankle was an issue, he'll have enough rest. I think Thursday they play. I think um, the time we get him back at the cap, he's going to look like the mummy. He's still got his bandages on his wrist. Yeah. He's got his ankles. Uh, then he's going to be away for the homegrown game as well, at the, the all-star game in MLS. But I, th- I think you have to start him. Yeah. I, I think it's. Uh, I think in, at that point, I think the, the starting lineup will most likely be um, uh, you, you got... Um, Basically, the team that play, played against French Guinea. I think that's maybe the starting lineup. Um, possibly you put Mark Anthony K there, but I think you have to rely on Bernie in that spot. K's actually, like, he's been pretty impressive for a guy that's playing lower league as well, which, I mean, it's great to see. I think, for me, this is a very winnable game. And it's a good thing for Canada to have this optimism. It's like, it, it's not something that I've been used to coming here, following Canada, when you follow, like, Canadian soccer on Twitter, it's a very pessimistic bunch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it, Everybody's kind of, like, I described it, I think, on a podcast earlier, uh, a, few year, a few years ago, where uh, me watching uh, Canadian soccer is basically me being in a fetal position. Uh, just yes. scared of what's going yeah. on. So, um, um, 
I, I it's it's difficult for me. Like uh, I've usually when it's a big game, I'll have the curtains closed, uh, door closed, uh, sound even down, and just watch it, and not even I don't want to hear the sound at all. Even Squiz was saying going into the Honduras game that Canada was favorites. Yeah. Oh, that, that was that was shocking. Yeah. yeah. That was surprised. That gave me confidence. If he had confidence, <laughs> I had confidence. But it's a very winnable game against Jamaica. Now, uh, as you know, uh, before we go to the uh, the ads, uh, this is Canada 150. It's the summer of 150. Um, I didn't tell you this, but I put it together a quick rankings of U23 strikers for okay. Canada. So I'm going to base this uh, on, on what I know. Obviously, there's some people out east that I probably haven't heard of. Excellent. Um, but the, number five, um, just based on his residency play recently, uh, Jose Hernandez, uh, the U16 player. He's been lighting it up. Um, he uh, he's of Mexican descent, so there is obviously a concern. Well, with most of these players, there's going to be concern about them going play for another country. But he, um, really, outstanding. He has been involved with the Canadian national the under seventeen. Yeah, yeah, but but a um, fantastic finisher right now, and he just needs to. Obviously, he's only sixteen, seventeen, and he's just gonna, he's just going to grow bigger. Number four, a lot of people haven't heard of this guy, Liam Miller. Um, he's part of the yes. Liverpool system. Uh, he, he, he's a 99 born, so he's only 17 yet. Um, and he used to be a midfielder. They kind of, Liverpool kind of moved him to the striker and he's pl- scored some big goals for them in their unit. Number three, uh, a friend of the Whitecaps, uh, a friend of the show, Dario Zanetta. Um, he's with Hearts right now, I think. Yeah, he was loaned out for most Queens, of the last season Queens with Park. Queen's Park. Yeah. Haven't heard what's happening for this season to come. He has his chance pre-season to show that he needs to be in he's the first still, team. Mix, he's still under contract with Hearts. Yeah, yeah, he signed a new four-year deal yeah, last which is, year. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, number two, Jordan Hamilton uh, from TFC. Uh, another guy who I actually was surprised it wasn't in the in the Gold Cup. I thought he might get a spot, but I guess they really want not so high in him. I, he's he had a really good strong first half of the season for TFC. He had he came in and, and scored some goals for them. And then number one, uh, Kyle Aaron. He's 22 yeah. right now, so uh, he still he just gets under the U23. I know he struggled with Canada, but he still has that pedigree, and we probably will see him in Europe next year. What about Alfonso Davies? Could we striker. see him? Yeah, could we see if, him change? If he develops a into a striker right now, but look forward to where Alfonso Davies uh, sets up in a future countdown. Yeah, and also I asked Rob about that, which we'll hear about later in the show. Just what could be his best position? And that is it, really, for our Canada chat for this part. So the next couple of segments of our show, it's going to be all Whitecaps. The Whitecaps MLS team are back in action this coming Wednesday when they head down to face a very much out-of-sorts LA Galaxy team, very up and down. We'll be previewing that game on in a couple of segments' time. But right now, they're at the halfway mark of the season. 17 games played. Currently sitting in the table in sixth place, but they've got games in hand against all the teams above them. Two or three in, in some cases. And if you're looking at it in points per game, they're actually sitting fourth in the West, which considering all the injuries and having to take part in the CCL and everything like that, that's a pretty good start, really. No, I, I agree with that. I never, like, the thing is with me, I you know, obviously you don't want to see them losing games. But I never really had. I've never really had a major concern as of yet. Uh, once they get everybody bla- everybody back, and then if that in that case, then they start losing games and losing games in a poor way. Then I'll have concerns. But right now, uh, like you said, just uh, just on the pe- uh, playoff line, 
Um, and obviously, so many games in it. They, I think they play the least amount of games in, in the West. Uh, so they, they are in a position where they can make up points and make up spots. And they haven't been playing fantastic in every game. So there has been some games which which have been really good. Leading the way, scoring-wise, Freddie Montero's got six. Really five, because one's Tim Parker's. But Freddie Montero's got six. You've got Christian Teixeira's got five. Teixeira also has four assists, and then leading the way in the assists is Belanius yeah. with five. So, I mean, they've been doing well offensively. They've been doing better defensively as well, which was the, the key thing they really had to work on. They had to, to tighten up at the back, and, and they've done that to a certain extent, if you ignore Chicago. Yeah, for sure. And the Chicago game, obviously, they ran into a buzzsaw there, the, uh, just a team on a roll. Um, the thing is with uh, Van, the, the, you, like you're talking about the offense is clicking and the defense is clicking. The problem is, is when they don't click, neither one is going on. And that's where they yeah. start losing games. Uh, so when when everything's kind of clicking, then they they usually get the positive results. Home form as well has been better than we saw last year, which couldn't except be for much a couple worse. of games here and there. Yeah. Like DC United was a bad one. Yeah, to we give talked up. about Philly yeah. as well. So we did a survey, which we'll, we'll talk about later on, just to get some folks' opinions on that. So some interesting results from that. But I got a chance to chat with Carol Robinson at the WFC two game on Saturday. Just about the, the season so far and just his thoughts on that and what is to come. Now, I'll warn you in advance, you're going to need to listen closely and carefully to this because try to go outside to cut the noise level down, but the PA system at Thunderbird is so loud. So there's a lot of background noise. It, ho- it deafens you. And the music, when yeah. they play it... Like it, it well, it, thankfully it, there was no music. It was yeah. just a guy screaming. Why you need to scream into a PA when you have a... a a whole amplification system yeah, beyond me. I don't understand it either. So, bear with us for that, but Robo talks about a lot of good things. So let's hear now from Whitecaps head coach, Carl Robinson. Yo, Carl Robinson, you're back again. If you do this again, pretty soon we'll be friends. You're the newest member of my fully sick faction. Got your rhymes locked, loaded, ready for action. Uh, so, Carl, we're halfway through the season. What's your overriding thoughts at, at this point? We're in a, a decent position. I think we've we, we've played some really good football. I think we've been naive in certain situations. Uh, we've had lots of injuries, we know that, and lots of people missing. Uh, but we're starting to get healthy now. Um, we need to pick up more points. We've lost a lot of points. Uh, and we probably, we're about where we deserve to be. When you consider how many injuries you've had, to still be in the playoff spots and to be fourth in the West really in, on points per game, that must make you feel good about what the team can do now in the second half. It does. It gives us a lot of confidence. They're a confident group anyway. Um, you know, we've we've come from behind a number of times and shown a lot of character in certain games. Uh, so we've got a lot to look forward to. As I said, we're sitting in a decent position. We've got a couple of games in hand, but they're irrelevant if you don't win them. Uh, it's going to be tight towards the end of the season. We know that. Uh, but as long as we're there or thereabouts in the mix, when we get all our fit bodies, we'll be okay. Looking back then at the game so far, what game's given you the most pleasure and what one's given you the most disappointment? Uh, probably the last game against NYFC. You know, we, we know they're a top team. They've got good players and, and, and to get off to a great start after the disappointment of Chicago and then 
be two down at half time, two one down at half time, and then to show great character and in the second half. And I think the emotion of the occasion was was great. The LA Galaxy game at home, the Seattle game. We've been really really good at home, which is which is a big focus for us this year because we haven't won enough games. Um, biggest disappointment, I'd probably say the Minnesota game where we were two 0 up at half time and threw two goals away in ten minutes. Could have won the game, could have lost the game, but we need to tidy that up because points on the road are very valuable. Now, Carol's moved on and loan, so that frees up a roster spot. Are you looking to make any more movements out? Or do you have to make movements out before you can bring anyone else in? No, we can bring players in. We're trying to bring players in. Um, there might be another one or two going out um, to gain loan experience. Uh, I don't want my young players just sitting here collecting dust. You know, it, it's that gap in between our USL and our MLS team. So I think it's it's right for some of them to go and experience something different, uh, but get to get competitive games. So I'm hoping to add two or three players between now and the end of the window. The Atiba Hutchison stuff that was coming up... Is that dead in the water, or is there nothing you can really say about that just now? Yeah, it's very unlikely. Um, there, there was a, a conversation in it, and um, as I said, uh, you know, a month ago, Atiba's got a year's contract in there um, at Besiktas. We know they're a fantastic club. We know he's a top player, um, and that's all it is. Like I said it's um, there's probably not much more into it. Now, you took the team over to Wales, obviously, pre-season, and you'd hoped to kind of have them hitting the ground run. Were you happy with that, how that went? Is that something you might look to do next year? I know it's really early to talk about that, but do you feel it had the impact you were looking for? I was very happy because the objective was to try and get into the Champions League uh, semi-final by beating New York so the purpose of pre-season was to get fit it always is but to try and get us a step ahead by playing competitive games and we played against Cardiff, Bristol uh, Oxford under 23 teams which were super one eight, under 18 team which was super competitive uh, and got us ready because the objective was to get through and, and we achieved that objective uh, but it actually hurt us a little bit because the four games either prior to the Champions League games or after we only took one point out of 12 which if we would have taken three or four points out of that then we've been sitting a lot more comfortable than we are now LA is up next you've got six players missing uh, Bola's and obviously Keno's just been called up now do, do you feel you've got enough guys ready for this if these players are away for a long long gold cup run uh, it's not as if I feel uh, we have to be ready um, there's points on the board it's not ideal um, but six is better than eight or nine injured that's the way I'm looking at it but it'll give players opportunities to play I don't I don't complain you know we've got enough players in certain areas we don't want to pick up any injuries because if we do then we are down to our bare bones with these six players missing now Alphonse is obviously lighting up with Canada you've worked really hard to kind of manage the expectations and the hype around him but when he goes on the world stage and does that, does that make your job a lot harder? No, I'll continue doing my job, which I think is right for the boy. Um, you know, and, and let's not mistake it, I, I'm protecting him for the reason that he's 16 years of age, yeah. um, not for any other reason. And I, I spoke to Canada about it, but he, he lets his football do the talking. And when he's on the world stage and his football does the talking, you know, that's all he needs to say. You know, you don't need to stick a microphone or a TV camera in front of his face because he is playing football and that's what he's paid to do. That's what he loves to do. And, and when he performs at the levels he is, then it's exciting for everyone involved in Vancouver and Canada. 
you've, you've seen him play a couple of positions this year. He's played in the middle and he looked good. He's played in the wing and he's looked good. And then for Canada, he's almost been like a striker. Is, is that something? Would you look at him being an out-and-out striker, maybe beside Freddie up top? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I like him in all positions. He's a good player. He's young, but he's a really good player, whether we play him wide, where he's in 1v1 situations, or in the central area, as, as he come on to a good effect for us in one of the games, or even up front. So you just want him on the field Uh, and we've got uh, over a period of time it's not going to happen overnight over like 15, 20, 30 games Uh, I think a position will be made available for him and he will fit into that but he's just a good player all around and then talking to Freddie he's had a good start to the season obviously when when a striker doesn't score especially the MLS guys they talk about streaks with no goals and everything like that but are you happy with what he's brought to the team? I'm very happy, I think if you ask Freddie he'll probably say he should have got three or four more goals uh, and I agree with him there You know, he probably should be on double figures You know, I think he will get easily to double figures we've got to create similar chances for him and he'll take him, he's a, he's, a, he's a super finisher we know that, I see it every day and he's a real good character in the locker room as well um, he puts demands on himself I'm glad that you guys put demands on him because he thrives off that uh, and I think the criticism um, the constructive criticism uh, makes him stronger and I think he enjoys that The defence has obviously turned it around this year it's something that you, you've worked hard on Shannon's back now and Jake's done well in the last couple of games is that a nice headache to have? It's a great headache to have we needed to tighten up at the back from last year conceded far too many goals individual errors from a goalkeeper and a back four players uh, we have to work as a unit we've done that You know, we have conceded four goals I think two games uh, three goals once or twice in the snow. Um, you know we can be tidier. We will be tidier, um, but there's lots of areas that we um, we enjoy enjoy looking at. Um, but we will get better. And then you've got three DPs just now. There's obviously scope that you can buy one of them down if you would be. Would you look to add a DP signing in the summer? Or I know you're not a great fan of like summer signings for the sake of it. But if the right guy was available, would you look to do that? I'm always looking at uh, trying to bring in better players. That's the first thing. But will we add a DP in the summer? No, we won't. Um, you know, but we will look to add two or three players in the summer and then reevaluate it at the end of the year. The Eastern Conference. There's three teams kind of running away with it. They're the ones that spent money. In the West, though, it's like everyone's pretty much in the mix. Anyone can make the playoffs. Have you noticed it's more parity in the West this year? Yeah, the West is tough. Every year it seems to be said the same, but the three teams in the East that have, uh, are at the top, and deservedly so, are the teams that have invested heavily. We know that. Chicago have gone from being bottom to top, uh, and rightly so. They've got some fantastic players now. Um, but the, every year it brings up different uh, dynamics. And as I said to you, the West is very difficult. You can go from top to bottom in a, in a year uh, without spending too much, but it's very tight. Uh, it will be tight between now and the end of the year what we need to do is make sure we stay in the mix and if we are in the mix and we're healthy then uh, hopefully the players can perform that's great thanks for your time Carol Carol Robinson there chatting to me at yesterday's WFC2 game a lot of interesting things covered and some comments there from Robbo. Just going back to Alfonso Davies briefly, we discussed there, might he consider him as an out-and-out striker? He's not sure, possibly, but he did say he'll, no matter what, he's going to find room for him in this team. Which you kind of have to feel moving forward the way that he's played. Leading up to the Gold Cup, he's been in and out of the team, because he didn't want to tire him out. 
I think his performances at the Gold Cup, though, has him penciled in as pretty much a starter now. Oh, for the Whitecaps? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough still. I th- I still think they're going to be careful with him. I think they're, they're, he will have a run of starts, and then if he kind of tapers off, I think they'll put him back, back on the bench and just have him there. And it's not as a punishment or anything no. like that, just as like a chance for him to kind of uh, recoup and because c- c- you can learn a lot from the bench if you if you're paying attention um, and and understand the game itself. Uh, as a striker, though, I know everybody's seeing him score and everything like that, and they want to put him as a striker. I still think central midfield might be his best position because he can do everything. He can control the ball. He can pass the ball. Um, and then he can score from the midfield too. So I, I kind of like midfield. I, I can understand striker as being an option for him if if need be, if if people if the team is in need of a striker. I, I have liked what I've seen from him in the center of the park, but I, I just feel right now out wide is his better option because he's got less folk to, to try and get through. But hey, when, he, when he's got skill like that, you can just get through anyone by the yeah, of it. that's for sure. So, Steve, you put together a survey over the weekend, just kind of looking at some of the big talking points from the halfway point of the Whitecaps season. And we did that with a view of kind of giving out some mid-season awards as well, which we'll, we'll have a, a little chat about. So, take us through what the results were. Well, uh, first of all, thanks to, I think we had about uh, th- over 400 people responding wow which is amazing for for a a weekend in the summer yeah and we put it out on saturday morning too or saturday that's that's about 36 hours really yeah and i I think if we had given it more time i think we could have got probably over a thousand people voting so that would have been cool um so our first uh uh, should we start uh with the most important award last i guess yeah okay so uh let's start off with the probably the most negative question and uh, carl robinson asked answered it himself in the interview most disappointing match of the year. Um, I think you agreed with his uh, choice. Yeah, for me, Minnesota, solely because we had that game in the bag against not a great team, and we just didn't adapt properly, and we gave up two goals and two points, really. I, I find that very disappointing. Well, uh, the my, my choice, just to let you know before, we was TFC. The 2-0 loss uh, versus TFC at home. I just thought that... Just the way they came out and everything like that, it just didn't feel like they were up for the game. And um, to be like not really capitalize on your chances and just see TFC score twice, it was just so disheartening. Um, but the winner uh, by, let me see here, the numbers, about 27% uh, was Chicago. The Chicago game, the late, uh, the loss against Chicago 4-0. Oh, it's the most disappointing. Yes. I kind of didn't find that disappointing because you're going against the, the best team in the thing. Yeah, and I called a 4-0 loss, so yeah. <laughs> I can't be disappointed with that. No. And then second place was the TFC loss. Third place was DS- DC United, the 1-0 loss at home to them. And then the Minnesota draw was the fourth. So uh, that was that. And then the favorite match of the year. I think you had the uh, you had you agreed again with Carl. I went with the New York City win because we saw a great performance against a really dangerous team. Yeah, with a lot of big names on it, a lot of money spent on it, a team that's doing well in the East, but also because we fought back yeah. and we showed a great fighting spirit in that second half. Yeah, and that that was a close second for me. My uh, probably most satisfying win or best best win for me was the Atlanta game. Um, the reason why was because everybody was talking about Atlanta scoring and uh, pumping them up and everything like that and being the, the, how dangerous they were expansion team. And Vancouver essentially beat them three beat them down 3-1. And uh, overall, it wasn't that close either. Um, but 
the majority of people voted agreed with you. Uh, over 50%, 57% uh, went with uh, New York City FC. And second place was uh, basically even with the New York Red Bulls win, the LA win, and the Atlanta win. Oh, interesting. So, next question. And we're going to save one question for later uh, for the transfer part. Uh, player you are most excited for in the second half. Um, I thought this was actually going to be closer. Who Who is your vote? I I thought Jordi Reyna would walk this because yeah. we've had a brief glimpse. So I thought this would be the one that everyone would go with. I thought it was going to be closer because I thought a lot of people would be excited over what Alfonso Davies showed at the Gold Cup. So I thought it would be a little yeah. bit closer, but it wasn't at all. Jordi Reyna was 70, uh, 73%. Um, he had the basically he ran away with this. Alfonso Davies was second, and the new addition was third. Whoever the new addition would be, yeah, not I, Bobby Brown. No, but um, as we kind of heard Robo saying there, it's not going to be a DP addition. So I'm not sure that folk are going to get overly excited. Well, unfortunately, they didn't were, hear the interview before. Yeah, I think p- people were probably thinking, "Oh, Atiba." Yeah, when they voted for the new addition, possibly. Um, mid-season unsung player of the year, the guy who uh, kind of under the radar. Although some of these guys really are talked about quite a bit, so it's hard to be under the radar with this team because there were so many injuries. But um, Andrew Jacobson won. Was that your vote as well, or or did you win with Parker? See, I think that's tough because I don't think Parker is really that unsung. Yeah. But I, the players that you listed, I went with Parker. Okay. But no, I, it, it's, I found it difficult to find an unsung player. Yeah, because, I mean, Parker has had a lot of credit, but maybe... It's just credit from the folk that we read on Twitter and the folk yeah. that we talk to. So th- on the I, wider audience, I'm not sure that he has... I think people still uh, see Waston as the main guy yeah. in the defense and they don't notice Parker as much. Although... I think Park, I think Waston's actually been a little bit unsung as well because yeah. from outside Vancouver, the perception, when you still read some things on MLS Soccer and, and other things, they're still talking about mistakes that he makes and things like that. And he hasn't been that Kendall Waston this no. year. No, he hasn't made mistakes. He's but been I mean, a very solid player. But this Jacobson year. as well is definitely is worth a, a note. His versatility has been key. Well, this and fantastic in every position as well. This was the closest one because uh, Jacobson had forty eight and Tim Parker had forty two. Oh, so I'm, it was really I'm surprised close. actually that Parker didn't win that. I thought yeah. Parker would. Uh, but maybe people thought the same way as you that that it was he maybe he's not as unsung. Um, then our midseason player of the year. Um, we had about five people. I put Kendall Waston as the leader of the defense. Um, it's Christian Teixeira because of you know what he's done. He's kind of been even goals and assists. Bolanius what had was a leader assist, like you said, Montero leader in goals, and David Osted as the goalkeeper. And Christian Teixeira won it. That was that was my vote because he's contributed goals and assists, and he's been a, a spark. And basically. He's been the guy that's led the team in a, in a couple of games, and if he hadn't refound that 2015 form, I think they would have struggled. Bola, I'm a huge fan of. He, for me, was outstanding last year. I don't feel he got the credit he deserved last year. And yeah, he's leading the team in assists, but I don't think he's actually been at the top that of his great. Game. He hasn't been hit, hit the top of his game. Yeah. I think he's kind it's of like bursts of fantastic yeah. passes and crosses. And his set-piece delivery play is one of the things that's really, really helped the, the team do so well with set-pieces. But, yet yeah, for me, Teixeira all the way. Yeah, Teixeira won with 52 second place. And that was my vote was for second place, Kendall Waston uh, with 37. So I think a lot of people are, at least in town, are realizing how important Kendall Waston is to the team. I think he is, like, when he was, when he was missing, 
I thought the team really suffered. And there's no slight to Andrew Jacobson because he is not playing that position normally. But I thought the team really suffered back then. So those, yeah, those were the votes. And again, thanks a lot for everybody for uh, putting their voices through. And we'll, we'll cover the question about who should be shipped out when we, we cover some things in the next segment. And there's some tweets to read as well, but we'll, we'll cover them in the next segment as well because most, most of the tweets we got and comments on Twitter were, were basically about uh, players that they'd like to ship out. So before we get to our next ad break, I think it's time for a tea party with Marty. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? 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 So Martin, you're sitting down at night, you've got your favourite beverage of choice to, to watch TV, non-alcoholic. Would you go for a tea or a coffee? Uh, green tea, probably. Oh, fancy. Um... Are you a biscuit person? And if so, what would be your biscuit of choice? Uh, I'm a biscuit person, but with an English tea and uh, a rich tea biscuit. And are you a dunker? Yes. Thank you so much. No worries. That's great, thanks. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Thrones is finally back on our screens. Really looking forward to it. Sundays are fantastic. I mean, the last couple of weeks we've had Handmaid's Tale and Twin Peaks. Now we've got Twin Peaks and Game of Thrones. Loving Sunday nights. And of course, you have the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Oh, for sure. And then uh, for me, Monday nights, you got The Preacher, which I don't think you watch, but it's no. a fantastic show. Based on the book, the book is awesome. And they're finally getting into it, so it's really good. So Game of Thrones was back tonight. It wasn't an action-packed episode. Oh, wait, gonna... wait, wait, I haven't seen it yet, oh. so no spoilers. Don't talk about it. <laughs> okay, I sorry. I, I had an idea it wasn't going to be action-packed because it's just setting up the yeah. season, so that's not okay. Basically, book. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. And there's no nudity, so no. sorry to disappoint you. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll wait. I've got repeats. We brought, play that song because it is transfer season. Um, usually there's a lot of changes in Game of Thrones too. So the question is, and, and Robbo kind of answered it already, um, do you see this transfer window being a red wedding where there's a lot of people going and like some people coming in or do you see it as a purple where just one or two people go and we only see one people, you know, a few people coming in? I don't think it's going to be a massive yeah. change at all. I think he wants to just tinker with it a little bit. Well, with people coming in, yeah, there's not going to be tons. He shot down the Atiba Hutchison rumors there. So everyone that was still hoping for that, not going to happen. We kind of knew that anyway, but the fact that the Shiktas were using... Atiba to, to promote their new kit. So you're not going to do that with the player that's going to go. He still has a year left on his contract. He's in Champions League. Yeah. I, which, I, I, why well, would you want to give yeah, that up? See, that's that's the thing as well. It's like he's got that lure and he can probably still come back in a year's time and a team 
may have a look at him then. And if I'm not mistaken, that's a lot of money for players too, the, the, the Champions League cut. They get They'll get bonuses the, and everything. Yeah, I mean, sure. the money he's going to make over there anyway is going to be way better. And it's than probably tax-free. He probably has the apartment paid for. He has a car service. He doesn't have to pay for anything. And almost. the Turkey fans are just like crazy about football. And I've Little dangerous. Been at, yeah, <laughs> I've been to Turkey. It's a beautiful country. The people are so nice and so friendly as well. And they love their football. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you're, you're in that. So... Atiba not coming. He said no DP coming either. Yeah. Not a big surprise. Really, not not a massive. Mid-season but DPs are they, very hit and miss. They've kind of really uh, not look not interested in it at all after a couple of uh, times they've failed at that. My, my hope is now that Scotty Arfield doesn't find his way as a start with Burnley and we come in for him in the that's, offseason. That's a player who I would be interested in. I don't know if he's interested in coming over to North America. He but gave he, an interview saying he is and he'd like Toronto because his dad's from Toronto. Yeah, but the only problem is Toronto, the, unless they make changes and some people move out and everything like that, they're kind of set and they really don't have much money to spend. Can Arfield and Bradley play in, in a same kind of lineup as well? well? They, remember they got Vasquez too, yeah, who, yeah. who's on a big ticket as well, and obviously Giovinco. I mean, obviously I'd love to Giovinco. see Scotty here from the Scottish aspect, but yeah. he would help this team so much, and he's still so young. Yeah, and if he is out of favour at Burnley, which we're not saying he will be, yeah, especially the way that he's played in the Gold Cup, I mean that that could be something to look at. But Robo said two or three additions, so I wouldn't expect anything major. And what what positions do you think? I I, I well, see center back for sure, because especially with Waston possibly yeah. going for more qualifying and everything like that. Well, let's talk about one of the rumors. Christian Dean was rumored to have been going to Minnesota. That's kind of dead now. Not going to happen because another former Whitecap is in that spot. Yeah, now. Michael yeah. Boxall signed, and I think Minnesota as well were very wary of taking a player with that salary and those injury problems. On yeah, it's a, it was a risk for sure. But I could see him adding a centre back. Yeah, because Edgar's although uh, you uh, uh, I don't know is he training right now? Edgar, Edgar is training. He but still he, hopes to be playing, but you can't play MLS. Yeah, but he still hopes to be playing. Maybe even USL, maybe a loan deal. Yeah, at some point before the end of the season, so he can kind of get back and so he's ready to go yeah. next year almost. I think if he is back sooner rather than later, what would make sense would be a short term loan to England. Oh, for sure. I'm sure, over there yeah, and, I'm sure some get, teams would take him too. Yeah, get up and running in time for the, the new season in March. So yeah. I mean, that, that could be a possibility. I do think they will look to add a veteran, experienced centre-back. With, within MLS or without? Or what's I, I wouldn't be surprised if they looked out with. Okay. I haven't heard anything. I'm, yeah. It's like nothing that has been mentioned. If, the, but, if it's yeah. two other spots, too, what other, what other spots? Do? I, I I see a central midfielder. I think they need to shore that up, especially um, if they loan some people out. Well, Whitecap Scarf on Twitter says he feels right back is a need that has to be addressed right now. As long as you keep Shane and Williams on the team, if he's still with the team, which it yeah. looks like they are planning on doing that, yeah, but that could change no way they're going to add another right back. But that could change too if another team comes asking for him as well. There could be somebody that thinks he's they can get him on the cheap, and maybe they. Whitecaps can kind of negotiate a deal, and if they if they feel like they need to get because well maybe it's better for all parties as well if he yeah. moves on to somewhere else where he hasn't got this incident kind of hanging oh, hang over him. And, and Jake Nowitzki, like I don't even think you need to bring a starting right back. I think you could bring a, a veteran, another veteran right yeah, back a who veteran can be that can challenge him, challenge him and support him in a way. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all for that. I don't think attacking wise they need anybody right now. Yeah, I don't think they do. Even with Kyle Gregg going uh, to Cincinnati, I don't see that happening. Don't need defensive midfielders either. I, I would like, I, I, if they can get like maybe a box-to-box guy. 
Yeah. Um, I think that would be a good. I I would personally I would even if they could somehow unload uh, Tony Chani and bring in somebody for him. Like I would do that as a second. They could look at possibly bringing in a veteran striker, a yeah. kind of Earnshaw or Perez type figure, just as a backup. Yeah. Greg, as you mentioned, he's gone now to FC Cincinnati, so. You've not got that attacking option. You do have Hurtado. You've got Abini. But I, I would maybe like to see some kind of veteran attacker, probably one within MLS. There's not tons of them floating about. But to me, that would make a little bit of sense as well. And as we mentioned, Kyle Gregg has gone to FC Cincinnati on a loan deal to the end of the season. And they're going to want to kind of see what he can do at that level. Rejoining former WFC2 head coach Alan Koch. And there's another well-known face going to be there as well. Well, well-known to the people that go to UBC and Langley. Yes, but well-known to Kyle Gregg. Yeah. Oh, as, I, as guess, well I guess so. Yeah, yeah, he'll see you. Well, though. Yeah, that's right. WFC two Dutch centre backs and captain and last year's USL Player of the Year for the Whitecaps, Sam Dewitt. I got a chance to catch up with Sam. He hadn't flown off to Cincinnati. He was at the game on Wednesday. Midweek, yeah. Midweek. So let's hear now from Sam Dewitt. So, Sam, disappointed to see you leave here, but a great opportunity. You're going to a fantastic club with an amazing support. Spot on. Spot on. That's, that's all I can say. I mean, uh, if you look at the games, um, the fans, I'm on the fans, like how they play, like, it's great. I'm super excited to go there, so I just can't wait to hop on the plane and go to Cincinnati. And a few familiar faces for you. Kyle Gregg's obviously there on loan at the moment, and you know Alan Koch yeah. very well. How did the move come about? How did you first hear about it? Um, uh, well, everything went through my uh, my, my agent. He uh, told me that Cincinnati was interested, and um, yeah, from one goes to the other, and like they talk, and like the clubs are gonna talk about it, and you know how transfer goes, right? It goes, and they talk about it, and if you want it, you want it, and I'm happy the uh, the Whitecaps like work with me. So respect to them, like credits to them, so that they let me go, and now it's just for me to focus on my next part in my life. And obviously you know Alan well, he's the guy that brought you over to here. Are you looking forward to getting reunited with him? Yeah, like, I'm like super excited to see him. Um, everyone knows like I have a good relationship with Alan and um, I think he's a good coach. He's a great person. He helps you on and off the field. So, I mean, yeah, just excited to go there and see him again, yeah. And they're such an ambitious club and they've, and they've got MLS aspirations. Knowing that, I mean, that was one of the reasons you came here, that you, you hoped to move on here and you got a few opportunities here, but being at this, the base of something that's just building, it must be exciting. Yeah, no, super exciting. If you look at the plans, uh, what I know about it is that they have everything ready. It's just waiting till they get, like, their, um, how do you say that? Their um, approval. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, they, if the league is going to, like, approve that they can come down, uh, come to the MOS. And if you look at the plans, it's, like, amazing and I mean, if you if you look at the stadium and the fans, like you you don't see that anywhere else in the USL, like 30, 25, 30. That's that's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. Just last thing, how do you look back at your time here in Vancouver? Uh, great, great. Um, I have such good experience here. Um, obviously, they brought me over. They gave me another chance in uh, across the world. They picked me up super well. I played here all my games. The coaches from the first team, second team, the people who work uh, um, behind the screens, they're super nice. They do everything for you. And yeah, all credits to this team and this club. It's a great, great team and a great club. Yeah. 
Congratulations, Sam. Really looking forward to seeing you in Cincinnati and all the best. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. for all the good times. Sam DeWitt there, just talking about his time at the Whitecaps and the fantastic opportunity that awaits him at FC Cincinnati. Great club, great support, great ambitions, great head coach. What more do you want if you're going to get transferred to a team? Did you say late or great? Great. Okay. Speaking of late. Yeah. Oh, that was a horrible segue. We've been joined by Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. I, uh, I'm happy for Sam. I'm a little bit sad, but I'm happy for him. Yeah, I'm sad to see him moving on. But for me, the second leg of the Canadian Championship semi-final, I think, was the the crunch game. He outplayed, for me, Cole Siler in, in the first leg, but didn't play in the second leg. And you have to feel he didn't get that start because Cole got the start because Cole has the MLS contract. And it, the optics, in a lot of ways... To some people, I wouldn't have cared. To be to be honest, it's one the best player to play. Was you have to play the guy that has the MLS contract, and I think when that happened, I think Sam probably thought, "Well, the writing's on the wall. I'm not going to get an MLS deal. I'm going to look at pastures new." And he is going to a fantastic club. But that's incredibly awkward, based on what we've always been told in the past that it's your performance, how you you know what you what you put in in training and. I don't. I don't know. Too many people would disagree that Sam probably outplayed Cole in the first leg, and neither of them were great, to be fair. But he was the better of the two. Now, is, uh, the the whole MLS contract is that a rule, or is that no, no, no. It's, no. It, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just if a guy has an MLS deal, yeah, they'll probably and get a guy start. has a USL deal, oh, okay. and the questions would automatically be, well, why is that guy got an MLS deal if you're not even playing him in this game? If you feel that this other guy is better than him. We just say lower because body he's injury. because he's earned the he's earned the chance he's no, earned no. the opportunity. Yeah. No, I know that, but uh, yeah, like you said, the optics probably they don't want to show that. Yeah, so but that, that's a problem. I know when, well, when doing what when when the optics are more important than doing what what's right. Yeah, which is a tremendous problem for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, in a tremendous amount of ways that we probably shouldn't go into right now because you don't want to have a three hour podcast. But no. It shouldn't be about the optics. It should be about what should be done in the situation. And that did feel awkward. But, I mean, that's about Sam. To me, that what happened in that Voyager's Cup second leg was a travesty to begin with. But, um, yeah, I wish Sam all the best. It was good. To, I got to see him at the game, the same as you, Michael. And it was good to be able to say farewell and to wish him the best for, yeah, this next opportunity. And, and I think Alan will be really yeah. excited. Yeah, I think his him. brother was there, who's his agent. Yeah, his brother. Yeah. yeah. And the Fancy. thing is... Fancy brother. Sam, <laughs> yeah, you, you were obsessed with what he was wearing <laughs> with the collar of his shirt. I was just... Oh, when you saw it, though, you you, you noticed it, It too. was a very weird square yeah. collar. No, yeah. no, no, weird. It was unique. It was unique, yes. It was very Dutch. That's why I, uh, I noticed it, because it was unique. Actually, talking about Dutch, we were talking about Marcel de Jong in the first part. It's, I can't remember who it was that I had tweeted at me when I was saying how well he was playing. Finally, the Dutch side is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sam DeWitt's one of the, the guys that has moved on. Kyle Gregg as well, as we mentioned. And Robo alluded to there, there's going to be some loan deals. We know, we know they're coming. You yeah. have to feel Marco Bustos is going to go out and loan. Cole Seiler, if they do bring in another centre-back, could be a guy that they look at going out on loan if Christian Dean stays healthy. 
and a few of the other young guys possibly as well. Ben McKendry, he might be a possibility. I, I don't know about... I don't know how many we want to loan out right now. We can loan them out at any point. Yeah. As long as I think the other team windows open, right? Is that the case? Or no, I, can I, happen I, okay. oh, well, yeah, I think if the other, yeah, country's if the other country can yeah. take players in or whatever. So we'll see what happens with there. Yeah. One person, though, that's definitely not going out on loan is Freddie Montero. And I got a chance to speak to Freddie at training last week just to ask him for his thoughts on the Whitecaps season so far and his own performances. So let's hear now from Freddie. So, Freddie, we're halfway through the season at the moment. Team's doing well in the playoff positions. How have you seen this first half of the season play out so far? If you um, start looking at, at the table, you, you can see there is like a small gap between the teams that are below the line of, of playoff and, and the teams that are about. And uh, I think at this point, everything started like make sense with the team that, that are going to make the playoff at the end of the year. It's when uh, teams start making changes in the team or adding more players to the roster. And uh, yeah, if you're lucky enough and you your team got the um, the best player or the player that you're needing, uh, maybe can make a huge impact like the sample that we have from, from Sounders last year. But uh, I think I'm happy with the team, what we have shown so far this season. The team's had so many injuries this year. I've never seen anything like it at any team I've ever followed. To, to still be in the mix and in a good position with all those injuries and now having all these guys coming back, that must fill you with a lot of confidence that you've taken points without these guys and now all these guys are coming back. Yeah, for us a huge plus. Um, I believe that uh, when you have that diversity of talent in one team, it's going to benefit the, the level of the game for us. And uh, the competition in here, in every single session of training, uh, it's, it's getting higher because, of course, every one of us wants to play, wants to start the games. Now, looking at the, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, there's a number of teams at the top, three teams kind of running away with it, New York, Chicago, Toronto. In the West, though, it's wide open. It's like every team seems capable of beating everyone else and it's like everyone can, has a chance of making the playoffs just now. What have you made of the Western Conference quality now from when you were in the league before? I don't know. It's hard to explain. For me, it, uh, as a new guy coming after uh, five, six years outside of the league, it's uh, uh, all I can say from from um, what I, I am living with this team. It's like... a like games are different. Uh, sometimes we play one formation. Sometimes we're changing that formation. Depends on on what the other team is going to bring us in in the games. And uh, for me, that's a a little bit uh, difficult when you play home and away, and you play turf and you play grass. You play teams that the uh, the style is directly, or teams that are conservative. You know, they just want to defend and counter attack. It's it's. I don't know. It's 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 just knowing that uh, our team had uh, a lot of guys with experience, you know, international games and other leagues, and that uh, we we just we need to use that more often in the game because uh, 
we see that sometimes we don't make the, the best decision at, at the end of the, of the play, and that's something that we need to get better. The, the season for you so far, I mean, you've done well, you've got a number of goals. It has felt, though, at times there's been some games you're kind of isolated up there, you've not had a lot of support, and you've had to do a lot of the, the work yourself. Getting guys like Jordi back and even like Bernie Abini as well, do you feel that's going to help you out and take some of the weight off your shoulders? Yes, it's going to help me. It's going to help, uh, I think, uh, all the changes that we need to do in the game. And uh, as I said before, uh, we have very good talent in the team and all the games are different. Uh, sometimes I have many chances to score. I score one, but some other game when I don't have a shot, a single shot and goal, so I, I, I feel uh, different. But at the end of the day, if, if the team had the result, uh, we know that uh, something of that game we need to keep for the next one. But uh, uh, right now I'm happy with uh, what we have done. Uh, we know we can do better, of course. But uh, in the middle of the season, we um, are right there making the playoff, and that's our number one goal right now. The team's done really well against some of the top teams in the league. Like you've beat LA here, you've done well against Dallas, New York the, the other day, played fantastic. It's been against the teams that's at the bottom that you've kind of struggled. What, what does the team need to do to get this consistency and to play like that against every, every team right now? Well, maybe because when we play in, in the name, the big teams in our conference, they, they want to come and get their the points, the three points and the, that forced them to, to go higher and we have more space to to create chances to move and uh, uh, with other teams we know that uh, it's it's going 50-50 or either they win or we win so uh, that's a matter of, of knowing that uh, we need to put the, the energy that, that requires the game uh, because when we play in our home we want to win every single time and uh, that's the case when, when we play the big teams but uh, we know that we lack of concentration or we lack of, of a little um, motivation because uh, we don't get that first goal first. And how are you enjoying living in Vancouver now that the sun's come mm-hmm. out especially? I do, it's beautiful, my family is happy, my little girls are growing so fast, my wife is, is happy as well, I can't complain. I thank God for the opportunity to come here and of course I enjoy the team. That's great, thanks so much Fede and good luck with the rest of this okay, season. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Freddie Montero there talking all things Whitecaps and he has been a little bit isolated this season there's no getting away from that six goals though is a pretty good return I think from 17 games I mean realistically what would you be happy with him finishing the season goals wise as? I I was hoping at the beginning of the season it would be around 15. Uh, Me too. That's what I'm hoping for. I think I still think he can do it because like we said the service hasn't been there and maybe uh, with a certain Peruvian uh, showing up on the on the team, Paddington Bear. Yeah, um, uh, I think he. I think that that could be the spark for uh, Montero to get more looks. Because um, uh, I do because Reina Reina pushes the ball forward yeah. and he connects better and he's also he gets in the box 
which will allow Montero to get more space because they'll be concerned about him too. You've got Beanie as well, who adds a whole different dynamic to the team with his height and his aerial thinking, knock the ball down to, to Freddie a bit as well. I mean, Zach, I know you're not a huge fan of him because of the Seattle connections, but have you liked what he's brought to the team? And what are you expecting from him in the second half of this season? Well, I mean, you talk about amount of goals. I mean... If if he's going to get credit for all of Tim Parker's goals, then I would expect <laughs> I would expect a lot more. Uh, you know, you need someone who's who's able to finish. You need someone who's able to be cl- clinical, and he's provided some of that. I, I think the bigger concern is, yeah, is the isolation factor. And I think the second half of the season, one of the biggest questions will be what will the link up play be between our low, most likely lone striker. Uh, and 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 the and the players around them because yeah. I don't see us playing two strikers very often and so uh, I think that that that'll be a, a telling a telling part of what happens in the second half of the this MLS campaign. I, I don't remember what game it was, but I only remember one game where he was really frustrated, um, like where he was visibly frustrated. I don't remember the game. Uh, there was on, one I think where he was banging the DC United. Possibly was it? I can't I remember. Think it was I, I, the one that he actually got the credit for Tim Parker's oh, goal. Oh, was it? Okay. A bit frustrated. Maybe it was this Kansas City. I think that was it. Well, whatever the case, but that was the game where he was visibly frustrated. With it's nice service. in a way though, because you want to see a striker pissed off basically because he's not getting the ball in the net. Yeah, yeah. No, the other thing is you can't. What we might read as frustration on a player's face or in their body language it might not be that, right? It might not be the frustration right. that we're reading it. So, like, uh, this is not a player where I, I would say I have a good read on their, their body language. You know what I mean? Some players, for sure, I could say, oh, he did that. Yeah, he was choked or he was mad at that teammate or whatever. I'm not I'm I'm not confident in this case because there's been a lot. Sorry to, to complete that thought. There's been a lot of people who, who I think have been on him for his body language, and I don't necessarily think that it is uh, what's behind it is what they think it is. Pro- probably no. And, and so there was one more question in the survey that we haven't covered yet. So it's, it was basically a player who needs to leave for their own good, which whether it's loan or or permanent. The choices were Bustos, Dean. McKendry and Shannon Williams. First place uh, by fifty-one percent was Marco Bustos. Second I think place that was my vote. Second place was Christian Dean. Uh, that was my vote as well. That's the only Not- one I think I, I, I correctly agreed with everybody else. And the third was uh, Williams, and fourth was McKendry. My wife and I both voted for Marco too. Again, for his own good. Yeah, and, and obviously Marco Bustos has scored for USL. And, Five goals. And the USL season is going, uh, not strongly, but is going. Yeah, it's just past the halfway stage as well. Yeah. And they're out of the playoff positions as of now. I think it's six points off the playoff spots. And yes, it's all about development. It's not just about results. It's development to win. Yes. For winning. But USL, if you if you, you speak to the executives at USL, they do not see the USL as a development league. No. So every to me, every team in that league should be going to win. I haven't had a chance to go to too many games. I watch them on YouTube, but I went to the one on uh, midweek. Um, I think it was against Soul Park. Yeah, so, yes. yeah. Um, and that was they, just so you didn't have to listen to me commentating. Yeah, I think that was the biggest reason. We watched you commentating. Yeah, we watched you from a distance. Yeah. They had chances in those games. They just couldn't yeah. finish. They were they could have been up three nil at, at some point. Um, and that's been the story of their season. And I mean, they they haven't got thrashed there's only been I think a couple of games where they like the the biggest defeat they've had is by two goals yeah 
And I think it's only four of their losses is by two goals. Most of them are one goal defeats. Yeah. And the draws as well are games that they've dominated. And funnily enough, that is actually something that I spoke to, to WFC2 Rich Fagan about after the game on Saturday. So let's hear what he had to say. Uh, so Rich, looking at how the season's gone so far, just over the halfway mark, what, what have you made of the team and what do they need to especially work on now going into the second half? We need to finish our chances. Like That's the difference between a point or three. I mean... More often or not, I feel like we've come away from a game where it's been a, a draw or we've maybe lost 1-0. We've created enough chances to win those games, so we need to convert. That's the biggest difference. We need to convert. And it's winless in seven, but you, you've not been really thrashed in any of the games. It's, most of them have been pretty close. Does that give you any kind of consolation at all? Yeah, I mean, other than maybe two games of those seven, I feel like we've been the better team in, in most of them. So, again, it comes down to goals. And if we're not going to score, then it's going to be tough for us to, to get the points that we deserve. Do, do you see the squad being the squad that's here to the end of the season? Or are you looking to make any additions this summer? Uh, that'll be up to the first-team manager. I mean, this is the group we've got today, and we might have them again on the weekend. But, I mean, that's out of my hands. But like academy call-ups or anything like that? Are you looking at any of that? You know what? Those boys have had a long season, yeah. uh, a long emotional season. So, you know, they, a lot of them will need, uh, a lot of t- they'll need some time off. But, I mean, the, the ones that would have been in the 18s this year, they'll continue on with us. That's great. Cheers, Rich. No problem, thanks. WFC2 head coach Rich Fagan there. And it's it's been a, a challenging season for him. It's what I expected. If they can make it into the playoffs come the, the end of the season, I think that's a fantastic achievement. There's some really good teams in the West this year, some good standalone teams as well. And there's been a couple of standout performances Meyer Bevan got his first goal for the Whitecaps on Saturday, and he scored another one, another nice goal. Yeah, he he really uh, and somebody when he he was signed, somebody on Twitter I can't remember their name right now said, "Why are they wasting a signing on this guy?" And if all you have to do is watch some of his YouTube yeah. goals, and it's like, Just why wouldn't watch you? Him the Under Twenty World Cup. Why wouldn't you want this guy to sign this guy as a developmental guy for USL? And they got international roster spots open. There's yeah. plenty of them. Use it. He's see, a young guy. See, yeah, he's an ambitious guy. Yeah. And I'm going to have a, a piece on Meyer on AFTN this week. Had a, a chat with him before, which we've played in the podcast, but had a chat with him after the game yesterday as well. So watch out for that this week. The young guys that, that's been coming through, this was a, a question we were asked on Twitter as well. Who do you think from the residency guys, is there anyone that you see getting a contract next? It's hard to say. Um, a lot of them, are, I think, are really set up to go to college right now. I'm trying to remember right now. Thomas Hassel, I think, is the only one for me that but could th- get a deal, but he's I think eligible, that might have to wait. He's eligible for another year at residency, yeah. right? So I think I that might know. wait till next year when they decide what's happening with Paolo and the whole goalkeeping situation and if David stays well, on or whatever. Well, it would be shocking if Paolo's back back next year. Yeah. It's on. shocking to me that he was back this year. Yeah, but. yeah. and, and it, yeah. <laughs> the window's open. He's still here, but you, I, he's someone else. You could, I could see... Something happened to with in this window. Yeah, that's true. And a couple of tweets actually just ab- about that question that we asked about who should move on. Uh, Lorenzo Benetti said, "Why was Hurtado not on that list? He should be the number one to get shipped out." But I said for their own good. Yeah, and the, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to do him any good. Well, the thing is, like Hurtado is serviceable. Yeah, he is he's, good he, for a couple of goals. He's a essentially you'll be able to play until he's in his thirties or, or like 31, 32 because he is fast. He can run. But he'll never be a starter anywhere. 
And Unless Greg, it's a really low level. Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World on Twitter said, transferring out for his own good, Bustos, yeah. but for the good of the team's reputation, Williams. Mm. We, we talked a little bit about whether there's a need to bring in a right back or whatever. To me, I think Williams will stay till the end of the season. I don't think anything will be addressed and then they can move him on for whatever. But I, I think for his good and for a fresh beginning, it might be better to move him on. But we'll see. So, the Whitecaps are heading into the, the California sun this Wednesday. LA. Not the fearsome LA Galaxy that we've seen in the past, but tough match for them. But I'm heading into this one feeling pretty confident. Well, if you look at the uh, couple of games that, that really showed a little bit, uh, uh, a lot of people are going to look at the latest game. They played a uh, friendly but the one that really shows up is the RSL game they had a while ago, six two at home to RSL, one of the you know I, I consider one of the worst teams in the league. So I, I think that one shows a lot of where they are right now. That wasn't a good week for them after LA two had been thumped nine nil by Reno. It makes the the Caps draw with one one draw with Reno yesterday look really good. But yeah, that was a that was a difficult couple of weeks for them. It's not the LA of old. They're, they, I mean, Salt Lake went to LA and just took them apart. And they don't seem to have that fear, that kind of aura about them anymore. No, de- definitely not. And that's, I think, you when you lose someone of the stature of Bruce Arena, it's hard to replace them. Oh, I thought you were going to say David Beckham. Oh, of course you would, United Boy. Um but no, you you you, you it's hard to replace someone like that, and they were they didn't. And, and I don't mean this to be negative, or I'm not trying to take a petty shot, but it was like they didn't even try, right? They they tried to replace them. They tried to go a different direction in it terms was of the a coach. Surprise appointment, Curtin Alfo, but he had done well, and he knew the the players of LA Galaxy too. And if the Galaxy were a club like the Whitecaps that are bringing in all this young talent, not spending money on big names, you would see it would make sense because he knows these guys from LA too and he's bringing them in. But they are still spending money. So it's hard to see that like, a big name player that's played around the world is going to come into LA and, and think, hey, this guy's a great coach. Yeah. Well, and, that, and so the fact that they haven't done well, they haven't performed well, they haven't played well, they're not in a great place, they're not in the place they'd want to be. That is all um, accentuated or augmented by the fact that they are not going to be alone uh, for much longer. Yes. They're going to have to feel what it is to compete with another local football club. And they you should know are going to go out and spend some money for yeah, them. And, they, and, and a proper football club, a not pro- like Chivas. Yeah. Was. <laughs> a proper yeah. football club is coming into their community and they should be scared. Yeah. And they, and they just you know right now the their top player is uh, Robin Lettuce Alessandrini. Um, I think he's he's their top player. He leads them in goals. He leads them in assists. He's a bit green. Yeah, it's a big. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Santos. He's he's second in goals, but uh, uh, he he scored six so far, which you would put it as the leader for us. But um, after that, it's like nothing going on. And they're out of the playoff spots as well just now. They're currently sitting in eighth. Caps are sixth. They're two points behind Vancouver, and they've played a game more. So this this is a chance for the Caps to open a little bit of a gap here. 
Yeah. One of the interesting things about that United uh, friendly, they lost 5-2, was uh, we they saw they brought back a couple of players who had been out due to injury. So one was, of course, Jermaine Jones, I think, played 45 yeah. in that. And the other was the center back whose name I, is escaping me at the moment. Uh, but guy who's contributed a lot for them in the past, and he also played forty. Ba- Valdem or something? No, no. no. Was the other guy? Okay, whatever the case is. It starts with an S. It's just, oh. it's totally escaping me right now. But um, I'll see if I can find it. Stairs? Here. No. Yeah, stairs. Oh, Stairs. Yeah, Stairs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he, they both contribute or played in that game. Um, and the question is, yeah, will they be ready for? The game against Vancouver on the ninth on, on the nineteenth. The fun, the funny thing is is the, about the United game. I was watching. I just watched the highlights. I didn't watch the whole, the whole game, but of course there you was, did. There was clips in there that um because uh, I was watching the Man United uh, highlights or whatever. Of course, you fr- from their yeah. feed, and um they were the Man United commentators were really ripping on some of those their players. Oh, really? Go, this guy's not that bright or something like that. They went straight straight. <laughs> so awesome. it was really really interesting because they like made a, commentary. Then. They made a, quite a few mistakes in there, like the LA Galaxy players on those goals. So it was it, hopefully they can keep that up against us. But at least but at least the the Whitecaps Twitter got uh a, a, something out of it too. Yeah. It's been positively when they took uh, uh, Jose's comment about, oh, this game was not important for them. They're worried about their league, <laughs> their yeah. league yeah. match on Wednesday is most important. Yeah, which was a positive from Whitecaps. Uh, Whitecaps Twitter, Twitter. As, as opposed to, to yes, their horrendous yeah. posts. Yes, hey, what happened the last time the Caps played in Portland? Which it wasn't the last time. No. One thing they've actually played in April. But yeah, let's just show Jordi Arena get injured. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Quality. Uh, I don't. I don't understand. Quality. The, at least, at least it wasn't a video of all Portland's goals. Yeah. The the problem <laughs> is not just with the White Cats, but other clubs and other businesses. They're taking on young, tech savvy people that know how to do things like social media, but they, but they no don't knowledge. understand the yeah. football. They do not understand football. That, um, you couldn't say that more. You yeah. can't say you can't say that enough. Incredible. But anyway, the Caps are going there. They're probably going at a good time as well. So, the team, Christian Berlanius, has been called up for Costa Rica, but he's not going. He's going to miss the, the quarterfinal with Panama. The Whitecats asked to keep him here. They've had permission to keep him here. So, obviously, he is going to start. Hopefully, Panama advances and we don't have to have Waston going then, too. Ah, uh, no, I'm, I want Costa Rica to do well. It's, mm. it's tough because I do want our guys to be back for the Portland game as well. But mm, I, I think it's a. It's a fairly set lineup to me, but you you do have a question as to what's maybe going to happen in the centre back position. Do they start Christian Dean? The fact that he was originally in the, the starting lineup for the game against Swope Park for WFC two on Wednesday and was pulled from that and then didn't play on Saturday. And for me, I think it is they want to keep him healthy. They don't yeah. want to risk anything. So I think he starts against LA. So if he's going to get injured, he's going to get injured with the first team, yes. not the USL team. <laughs> I think it's going to be him and Parker with Nerwinski keeping his place on the right. Yeah. Harvey on the left. Anyone disagree no, with that? No, that okay. sounds fine. Formation. What formation do you see the team going with? 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Yeah, 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one or 4-2-3-1. I think it's going to be 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. And it's like, are you going to go with Chani, Jacobson and Laba? I think I don't think you have a choice at this point. With Bola, Shea, Montero up front? Bola Teixeira. Oh, yeah, Teixeira. Okay. I could have Bola, him already. If you're going to keep Bola, you might as well keep him to play. He's going to start for sure. Yeah, Bola's definitely going to start. Yeah, for, from what I've heard, Jordy isn't ready to go to start a game. Yeah. 
uh, and but maybe he will be <laughs> maybe he will be a few days later. Um, He'll come on a sub. Yeah, I can see him coming on a sub against LA. But, so it's, it's really basically whether you, you put Shea in the mix or whether you go with the three DMCMs. Yeah, It'll I, be, I, I think you need. The, I think they're going to go with the three DMCMs because it's a road game too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Although I would like to see them attack LA more and take advantage of their kind of. Afraid yeah, psyche. They're, they're ripe for the plucking, and yeah. they're, they're giving goals up left, right, and centre. So an attacking display for the Whitecaps is what I feel it needs to be. The four-one-four-one we have seen, especially on the road, it allows them to do that. Mm. So some quick predictions. I will go two-nil Whitecaps, mm-hmm. just off the top of my head. Oh man, I uh, was fancying that as well. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 what I did you say two-nil? Two-nil. I think they'll be plucked like a chicken on a bear. Sorry, what? <laughs> You'll have to see Twitter <laughs> later. What? Okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, I hope it's not. Okay. Wow. No, it's nothing bad. Okay. Uh, I, I think LA's in it in, in a bad way. Uh, and so I think it'll be, yeah, let's go 2-1 two, two, to Vancouver. I'm going to go for 3-1 then to Vancouver. Darren Mattox hat trick. Oh no, sorry, that was. That was <laughs> I, don't, I really don't like it when we're anonymous, uh, unanimous. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna go for two. I'd rather be anonymous. But then, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go with three one. I can go for a loss. I'll take a loss. <laughs> I'll take the loss. Now we're talking that Christian Dean is likely to start, and another centre back that's going to make the trip, but will probably be on the bench. Is so Cole can, Siler. And so we can read a little bit while yeah. he's on the bench, because Cole Siler is a guy that's heavily into books. So it was a perfect time to chat to him about me, my shelf. And I. So, Cole, just want to talk to you a little bit about your reading habits and your favourite authors and stuff. So, yes. if we look back to kind of narrow down who your favourite authors are who are your kind of go-to guys that you like to go and regularly get their books or check out their new books yeah uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Lee Child I believe that's his name he uh, writes a lot of the Jack Reacher novels and um, recently my dad also recommended to me the uh, Jason Bourne series Um, and then Steve Larson he does the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and I've a lot of these books I read for my English classes at Georgetown. That's kind of like when my spark for reading kind of began. Because uh, throughout high school, I really wasn't an avid reader. But I feel like uh, a lot of the classes, uh, specifically around the government, so more historical um, novels, uh, kind of sparked my interest. I'm not a huge uh, fiction reader, more, but if I do, it'll be more like historical fiction. Uh, Fatherland's a book I read recently that was very good and it was about um, if the Nazis had won World War II I have heard of that yeah my dad recommended that one to me and then um, I also my dad recommended to me also recently uh, A Study in Scarlet and that was the first Sherlock Holmes novel and uh, he specifically uh, mentioned the word choice in that and how he was constantly while he was reading it he (laughs) He had to uh, look through a thesaurus to look up some of the meanings for the words or the definitions. And uh, 
I actually, my brother got me a Kindle for my birthday, so it was convenient for me because I was able just to click on the word and then it was able to give me the definition ah. right then. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm not a huge reader, but I do read a lot of Sherlock Holmes stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really like Victorian literature, yes. partly, I think, for the word choice. Yes. Like I like H.G. Wells and Charles mm-hmm. Dickens is one of my favourites and stuff as well. If you were, like, narrowing it down to, say, what was your favourite book of all time, which I know is tough maybe to narrow yeah, down to one, one. What? I really enjoy uh, The Great Gatsby, just because I, I read it, uh, yes, and I read it in middle school, 8th grade, high school, I think in 10th grade, and then I read it my freshman year of college, and what I found interesting about it was each time I read it, I was at a different stage of my life, and I was able to pick up different things in, in, the, in, the, in the book, and uh, I feel like I could also have that same experience with A Catcher in the Rye, I think especially as a guy growing up in the States, you can kind of relate to a lot of... Uh, yeah the uh, struggles and kind of the personal uh, relationships that he has in that book. And if you were going to get stranded somewhere or going away for a little remote thing and you, mm-hmm. you had to pick fiction or non-fiction, a couple of books, two or three books to, to take with you that you definitely want to have, what, what would you go with? I think I would have a, a biography of Benjamin Franklin because he came up in uh, my classes and he seems like a pretty interesting character. I would say I would... I would uh, straight more towards non-fiction um that's more my thing yeah i I don't know i'm kind of i'm really into documentaries as well and uh i don't know in podcasts as well so i I enjoy more like learning things about history and relating them to and seeing how they uh repeat themselves in modern day society rather than learning about uh kind of like made up things yeah cool and just the last thing then what's on your reading shelf just now what kind of books are you reading I read this book that was recommended to me by one of my mom's friends called Markings, um, and it was done by a a former Swedish UN ambassador, and it was, um, which I found surprising that, um, because I was always told that in Scandinavia they tend to be um, rather non-religious there, but his, it was more about his philosophy and his kind of like his daily journals, um, and that was kind of interesting and thought-provoking. My mom gave me another book, um, another philosophical book I'm, I'm in, I enjoy philosophy and actually another book if I was stranded would be uh, something by Plato for sure oh wow mm-hmm. and, and that came up a lot in my uh, elements of political theory classes um, the, you know the philosopher king and I wrote one a uh, pretty interesting paper on that and I enjoyed um, studying that more but uh, my mom for my 23rd birthday got me a year subscription to uh, the New Yorker so I've been reading those uh, pretty weekly as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, Cole, you really enjoyed that. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. to run it here. Ryan Dillon with Matteo Polisi plays it square. Polisi scores! And he takes the shirt off and why not? Matteo Polisi for the TSS FC Rovers. 
with less than a minute to go in their final season, makes it a 3-2 game, and my goodness, that was something special for TSS. Well, it didn't look on the cards at all, but what a nice, cool finish by Felici. The Swan Guardians over, greeting the players, Ryan Dillon getting humped. And that was the call from Gideon Hill and myself for TSS Rovers' last goal of the PDL season. Winning goal. Winning goal as well. 3-2 win for TSS Rovers on Wednesday night in their last game of the year. Nice to, to beat Seattle Sounders in any competition, no matter what the team is or what the level is. So that, that was fantastic. Ended their playoff hopes in the, in the process as well. Oh, that's even bonus. And we've had a great time working with the TSS Rovers this year. We've been doing the colour commentary. Gideon's been doing the play-by-play, we've been the official media partner, we've had a lot of good stuff up on the site on AFTN about the team and the players. Slightly disappointing in that they, they finished bottom of the division. But, uh, but for a first team, yeah, you I mean, can't expect much. They had much. so many injuries. They had 10 players out injured for the last couple of games. And the thing it's is, incredible, and, really. and, and they, I know, I know that obviously this has been a long time in the making and everything like that, but when once you get the go-ahead, that's when you have to start bringing the players in. And it, it, it wasn't that much time to bring enough, like, all the players they probably wanted no, to. No, I mean, they didn't get a good chance to, to scout. And, yeah. and things are going to be very well, different moving into next season. And before we talk about that, let's actually hear a little bit of audio from TSS Rovers head coach, Colin Elms. Spoke with him after the, the final game on Wednesday night. Here's what he had to say. We'll, we'll talk to you later, we'll go into it in more depth, but what, what's your overriding thoughts on the season? And We'll talk about what you've learned and stuff later on, but what are you feeling right now? Are you happy it's over? Do you wish you had some more? <laughs> well, um, Willie and I have been doing pretty well everything. You know, clearly we have a, we've built a good volunteer group for the stadium presentation, but... Uh, you know, uh, uh, I had two full sets of dirty kit on my garage floor the other day. And so um, I think it's, you know, people are, oh, you got to delegate. And we're like, you know what? You, you got to understand what all of this is before you can delegate. If we delegated at the beginning of this year, it would have been abdication. And frankly, I don't think it would have probably rolled the way that, that we wanted it to, right? Because I wouldn't have been able to give people instructions on certain things. So you have to you have to go through whatever you do. And we've been, we've been in this game a long time uh, uh, teaching players. Uh, you got to go through something once. And now we've gone through it, um, made a ton of notes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a debrief here in the next week or two. Um, uh, we got a pretty good idea of, of how we need to make this thing roll next year. The late start in January, uh, the snow, uh, the selection of players, some sight unseen, uh, all that goes away now. And we're able to... to uh, you know, go out in the fall, watch some university soccer. I've already reached out to um, some people that I know that are in different parts of this country that, that I've coached in the past uh, that are in the higher levels of the game, um, you know, to, to look at recruiting players, not just from here, but from, from across the country. Um, and so, yeah, it's already, it's already begun. 
it kind of began about two weeks ago. We were kind of like, okay, we need, okay, this is what we need to do and stuff. So take a little bit of a breather now. We still have our academy stuff until the end of this month, so we're, we're not free of our, of our coaching world yet. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll sit down and go through uh, from, from A to Z and figure out what, uh, what needs to happen next. So. Thank you so much, Colin. It's been a pleasure working with you this year. Really enjoyed it, and see you next year. Yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Ah, the Pogues. You can't beat a bit of the Pogues at the weekend. Roving away. Texas Rovers, they, they had a good season. For their first season, there was a lot to learn. As you heard Colin talking about there, they're going to expand their net for next year. They're going to look for Canadian players still. That's still basically what their philosophy is going to be. But they're going to cast a net all over Canada, which I, I think is good. Because if you look at the Whitecaps, their best players come from Edmonton at the moment. So Edmonton, Calgary, yeah, Winnipeg. Let's get into Edmonton. A couple of really standout guys, though, for TSS. For me... The runner-up for Player of the Year is Zach Verhoeven. Hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I just... I had Andrew Hicks as my Player of the Year. Okay. Because even though they finished bottom, and they only got three wins and three draws, they wouldn't even have got anywhere near that if it hadn't been for the Player Hicks. He's a guy that... He's put himself in the shop window. He's just finished his senior year at college. He's one of those guys you just wish the Canadian Premier League was starting this this fall. Yeah. Because he, he he's a shoe-in, you have to feel, to get with one of these teams. And you want these guys to take their opportunities and their chances, and, and he did that. Verhoeven as well, outstanding, but he does let his head go down. And when things aren't going well for him in some games, he... He kind of drops out a game, so I think that goes against him. Yeah, I, another guy um, uh, that I seen. Uh, well, obviously, you wish he was had a full season. Is Ryan Dillon? Yes. Um, he he oh, yeah, he was in the that play by play call there. So I I'm assuming he, if he comes back, that'll be a big uh, improvement to the attack. Yeah, especially. he's another guy that finished his senior year now at SFU, and he's looking to to move on to another club. He played today. Well, he played this weekend in the Nations Cup. He was playing for India as was Kermin Panu of TSS Rovers. India got to the final. Sorry to tell you, Steve, though, they got beat. That's unfortunate. Two. By Italy. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad to lose to Italy. And two of the players... The eyes have it. Two of the players playing for Italy were the Polizzi brothers. Oh, excellent. Who were also with TSS Rovers. So I told Colin, I was chatting to Colin tonight and said, are you going to claim credit for that success for the three months that they've had with him? So he definitely is. Yeah. It was his development. But the Polisi brothers, they're going to be playing for SFU next season. And if anyone got out and watched T- TSS this year and you enjoyed it, get out and watch some, some university mm-hmm. soccer this fall. There's some, it's a really high standard. UBC, SFU particularly. A lot of really good players there. A lot of fun to be had up the mountain. Yeah, I've been I've been to good games at, at SFU at U, at UBC and also at Spartan Stadium at yeah. Trinity Western University. There's so many good teams, and then this year as well, it, it, like the fall, it's fantastic. Challenge Trophy for the Provincial Cup winners across Canada will be held in Langley in mm. October. The CIS Championship or U Sport Championship is going to be held at Thompson Rivers out in Kamloops. Mm. And the CCAA National Championship is going to be held in Nanaimo as well. Wow. So a lot of good college soccer to do, so get out there. And another thing that folk loved about TSS 
was you could just wander around the stadium. <laughs> it was like general admission. And So you're I, telling me you buy a ticket and you could go anywhere. Anywhere you, you you're want. You're not assigned to a seat. Not assigned to a seat. And, of course, <laughs> that has been something they've been talking about at the White Caps. And news came out last week that that has been voted down. And, Zach, I believe you have a few things you want to say about that. Now, oh. they did do a survey. Oh, man. Yes. Okay. I, do you want? Do you really want to talk about the no, survey? No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Go, go and talk about it. <laughs> Maybe another time we'll talk about the survey. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the, the Whitecaps sent a message, an email, whatever, out to those who participated in the survey or those that they invited to participate in the survey. And uh, they have expressed to those people that they are not planning on pursuing general admission. Uh so, you know, on the on the on the podcast here, we in the past have encouraged you if you're interested to connect with uh the local supporter groups to, to be a part of that that are interested in that, which is uh the Vancouver Southsiders and Curver Collective. If you're still interested in general mission, I, I would still encourage you to do the same. Um Curver Collective, uh which is not a large group of people, uh but we run our little part of the stadium as general mission anyways. Uh we we have uh since the beginning, kind of de facto and then for after the year two or three, kind of officially as we brought new people in. Um and so we have general mission uh there. Now, you guys have even though you, but if you have kids, they will be up front. You have like kind of allocated kids to be up front when they come in. So you, I don't you, agree with that. So yeah, we we do. Like put, the, you don't have to worry about kids being stuck in the back, basically. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah, yeah, no, we put our, our kids at the front, and usually their parents are with them. Or, yeah. Well, it's like the old days, like back in Scotland. It's like kids got handed down to the front at yeah. all yeah. the big football stadiums, totally. so they could get views, and they're handed over people. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that's one of that's one of the things that's one of the things we do is put the kids at the front so they can see. Uh, so if you want to be a part of general mission, uh, you can uh, get in touch with Curver Collective. Or also, you can still get in touch with the Vancouver Southsiders. They are basically looking to do something very similar. And uh, if you're passionate about being with like-minded, passionate supporters, uh, please contact them. Uh, again, uh, Vancouver Southsiders, you can find them all over social media or, or Curva Collective. And they'd be happy to uh, help you be a part of the things that they're doing in, in the stadium to support in the ways that they do. In terms of in terms of TSS Rovers, it was it was uh, for a lot of people it was really nice to return to Swangard. Some I people, loved it. Some people are more nostalgic over the venue than others. Yeah, but um, it was nice to just go and be able to yeah go wherever you want, roam around, roam around, hang out, take selfies with opposing players, <laughs> find yeah. people on the pitch. <laughs> There's some, certainly some interesting photos on on Twitter and video. after that game, and always the video as well. Well, no, at the end of your guys' oh, broadcast, yes. there is a video of uh, a couple people wandering around. Yeah, it was <laughs> great though. Like that last goal, you kind of saw what the teams meant to the yeah. to the supporters this year. It was just it was sheer joy. Yeah. It was just I'm hoping to, to get uh, this year. My schedule never fit yeah. with games at all. Well, you're I, you're always partying on Friday night. No, actually, I'm working usually, <laughs> so it never fits. So I'm hoping next year I can uh, take time off and actually make it to those games. So not much left for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show, but we're coming to my favorite section of the show now. It's time for our wavelength feature. This week we're going back to 2003, and one of my all-time favorite bands, The Fall. This is from their album, The Real New Fall LP, formerly Country on the Click. I won't even explain what all that's about. But this is Theme for Sparta FC. 
Very distinctive vocals of Marquis e. Smith there. Theme from Sparta FC by The Fall from their 2003 album, The Real New Fall LP. Yeah, I had my eyes closed and I totally could tell it was him. <laughs> I like the name of the band. The, the Fall, 
like they've released over if you if you include all their compilations and their live albums as well as their studio albums, they have over a hundred albums. Yeah, it's not their name or the number, or sorry, it's not the number of albums they put out. It's the, that their name reminds me of a deep, important theological truth. But that's a story for another oh, okay. time. They've been on the go since another podcast. <laughs> been to see them a lot of times. Very strange band. I saw them two nights running, and they played a completely different track listing. One night was dreadful, and there was a fight on stage with the band. The next night, they knocked it out of the park. Nice. If you don't know much about the fall, go and check them out, and we're going to have some more fall stuff later this year in Wavelength. Maybe in the autumn. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. I should have kept it for that. But that's pretty much all that we've got for this episode of the show. just want to give a, a shout-out to the under-16s. Sadly, did not become national champions at the USSDA playoffs, but... Fourth best team in North America. Yeah, and I, I, I'm surprised they had a third place game. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary. Most teams, most yeah, tournaments don't. I don't. And why would you it. put through 16s through that uh, a third place game after getting knocked out of the semifinals? But they, they did. They had a great season. Yeah. They're going to take a lot of that. There's a lot of guys coming through. Very talented group. Looking forward to seeing them on the under 18 level. And fully expect a few of those to get USL and, and contracts. And there's quite a few U18s too that are going to be not not quite a few, but quite a few important ones that are sticking around. Hopefully, yes. and the, that should be a good mixture of players. It's always been interesting to see what happens when you have a good crop of at the U16 level when when they have a good season like this. Of course, this is the best season they've ever had. Yeah. Um, but to see what happens in that next transition year, where theoretically, let's say half the group or a portion of the group moves on to the U18s, and the other half is. Is left, and it was a pretty big overhaul for the squad this year as well because the bulk of them from last year moved up to the 80s. Right. Yeah. But they, they did well. Wish them well, and we'll have kind of just a roundup of that. We're going to chat to Adam Day, so we'll have something on AFTN for that this week. So check out all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you guys online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Uh, also on Twitter, I am at Zachary A.M., and I'm part of the movement Curva Collective. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Michael McCall, at AFTN Canada. As I said, read all our stuff, AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on Instagram, at AFTN Soccer. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, give us a like, give us a review, iTunes. That's where it's at. You can leave a comment too. Yeah. Maybe we'll read it. This show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Check them out every day for all your local, national and international news. With links. And that is it for this episode of the show. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.